Now we move on to the final segment of this week's podcast. Me, Andy Hart, along Chris Shime Time Shime. I'm going to do some quick hitters. This is a, eh, a small version of Pat's Paris, as we like to do in the third Ooh, okay. segment of these podcasts. And the first thing I want to talk about is the oncoming NFL trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to get rumors and Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, who certainly feels like he's become quite a mouthpiece for the organization and will basically write anything they ask him to write um, through the Mac thing, through this now, reports that Patriots are taking calls on Kendrick Bourne from other teams. I believe that. Yep. He also says that Nelson Aguilar is getting some interest in these conversations. I don't believe that at all. That's a Patriots-driven um, narrative. 100%. They want the belief, oh, yeah, maybe that'll actually chum the water for somebody to call about Aguilar. But Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, we know this has been as good as his first year was in New England on and off the field, played well, created a relationship with Bill Belichick, seemed like he was his guy. The whole thing with Mac, the energy, everybody raved about him. Year two has been just unbelievable. Polar opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Um, He's sort of a a non-factor. Last week, he left with a toe injury that is now muddying the water a bit more for his role on the offense. Do you think Kendrick Bourne, A, should be considered for a trade B will be traded and is his career in new England still salvageable? Um, I would like to say that this is part of the uh, Mac Jones character assassination plot. Um, Okay. My theory is, is that Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne are very tight. I think last year they had a very good bond. Uh, They kind of became each other's ride or die guy, right? Like Kendrick Bourne, that's my quarterback. And so, Uh, The beginning of the season when there was rumors about possible tension about the offense, I think Kendrick Bourne sided with Mac Jones and not with the coaching staff. And so this is another opportunity for Belichick to drive a narrative that it's like, oh, Mac, you don't want to play ball with me? Fine, I'll deal your guy. And then you and then then who are you left with? A bunch of receivers who want to play my game, not your game. And so could Kendrick Bourne be traded? Absolutely. But I think ultimately it is another belichick ploy uh to mold and manipulate his young quarterback yeah i I think it would be dumb to trade kendrick Bourne. he's cost effective he's under contract you're gonna have him for another year they're you know nelson aguilar one way completely out of the playoff run by any stretch well yeah forget like that he can help you but as you're moving forward with whatever this offense is going to become i think you want kendrick Bourne as sort of a complementary option and you know if he's your third or fourth option behind let's say Tyquan Thornton takes off and is your number two option and then we know that Jacoby Myers is good if he stays but he's also going to be a free agent at the end of the year who might get a contract that you're not willing to pay and I won't necessarily disagree with you because I like Kendrick Bourne I don't love him I'm still looking for the number one so unless somebody blows my socks off for Kendrick Bourne I'm not looking to move on from him you'd have to you'd have to pull him away from me like just make me an offer where i'm like wow you really like him that much okay i guess i'll make that trade um because it hasn't been great it's not like the production this year he you're getting value out of him um but i i I would hold on to him and it's what you said maybe this all settles in and you can get mac back to quarterback and get born back out there with his guy mac making plays the way he made plays last year when they were at their best as a passing game like i i think that is to steal bill belichick's phrase I think that might be in the best interest of the Patriots as they're currently constituted is, is get those guys together back on the field making plays. But it is interesting. Nelson Aguilar, sure, if somebody's going to give me 
a bag of balls, a, a, a whatever condition. Dallas wants to toss me a sixth round pick and take him. Go for it. Absolutely. Cause it's not working. He's a turnover machine. Uh, he's got a hamstring injury. Now, as I predicted, he would be yep. inactive. Nailed the hell yes, out of did. that one again. Yes, he did. Um, to Andy Hart. Okay. Let's talk about another guy whose salary outweighs his production, but I don't think people, there's no um, personal distaste for this guy. And we finally got a breakout production game from him in Jonu Smith. Yep. So he actually made some plays, had a nice catch and run, which he smartly, Nelson Aguilar, you could learn from this. Jonu Smith got into the open field. And the first thing he did was hug the damn football with both arms to make sure this is one of my rare good plays. This is not ending poorly for me. I watched Nelson yep. do this. I'm not doing the same thing. Um, is this just a one-off or is this what we need to accept? Just one-off big plays occasionally from John O. Smith. And is that enough? I That's don't, enough. I answer my own no. question. It's not enough. But. I think so. Again, I think it's a quarterback thing. I think if Bailey Zappi oh. is the quarterback, any opportunity to turn this into hate for Mac. No, it's not hate. I'm just saying if I think if Bailey Zappi is the quarterback, the tight ends in general will be more involved. Because well, it have a, been. I mean, Hunter Henry went from a non-factor to very productive over the last two weeks. He had four catches on seven targets last week. Yep. It, it, yep. When was the last time Hunter Henry had seven targets in a game? Uh, uh, sure some people thought he was, wasn't even on the team anymore. So uh, again, Also revealed he was coming off shoulder surgery. I don't know if that played any role or I not. I think but. the way Zappi spreads the ball around a little bit more um, is, is just – it is a result it is why the tight ends are getting production. And I think if Mac Jones is the quarterback, I don't think you'll necessarily see that tight end production because I think you're going to see it be Devante Parker, Jacoby Myers. And when Kedrick boards on the field and he's just going to attack those guys. Oh, that was the end of your thought. Yep, there. That was oh, it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's weird because <clears throat> last year, Hunter Henry was kind of Mac's guy. He felt like he In the red zone at least with him as soon as anybody last year. And then this year, he's a complete non-factor through the first month. And then Bailey Zappi, I want to say Bailey Zappi's first throw was to him. Was his 23-yarder against the Lions? First throw against the Lions, I believe. Was it a 23-yarder to start the game? I, that's pull maybe the, Let's pull up the, the old game log here, His Andy. first NFL start at Gillette Stadium in his Pat Patriot Reds. His first throw, Bailey Zappi passed short left to Hunter Henry for 23 yards. Okay, so... Yeah, I think he likes Hunter Henry. I think he likes the tight end. Oh, You're because right. that was the uh, the defensive back injury that happened for the Lions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, when the guy had the neck injury at the – you just yep. fell in puddle of whatever. Um, which – whatever happened with that? Did we ever find out what happened to that guy? Uh, I heard he was okay. I, th- I heard he had full mobility and he was doing okay, but I don't know exactly what the issue was. Yeah, that was weird because it was like a big deal, the weirdest yeah. thing I've ever like seen. Like his, with dad his dad got in the ambulance. Yeah. like, And then it just kind of went away. Like no one yeah. – there weren't a lot of updates afterwards. Um. But I do think it's interesting that you you said Bailey Zappi spreads the ball. He's gotten the tight ends involved. Last week, he had five different targets with exactly four catches, which I yep. thought was interesting, showing awesome. sort of the – He also had four different targets with over 60 yards. Right. Like, he spread it around, and those are old school. I'm going to say it. Those are old school Tom Brady things. I used to write yes, the effing stories Andy. like – Brady spe- spread the ball around to nine different targets, blah, 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 blah. Four of them with X-Men. Like, that was a, a key factor early in, in Brady's evolution and development as a quarterback. So I'm just interested to see if Jonu can salvage anything because you all know, I, A, I, he seems like a nice guy. Like, he definitely seems like a nice guy who just I, did nothing last year. I got to be honest. I've never even heard Jonu speak. He's a nice fellow. Um, 
Yeah, I bet he is. And like, that's the thing. It's like, we all, tr- trust me, you of all people wanted a John New breakout season last year. Like, you were rooting for the guy and it just never happened. Never so, happened. if he starts to play well this season, you'll be happy. I think everybody will be happy. Um, Robert Kraft will be happy because they'll get a little yeah. return on the old investment. Bingo, a little ROI. You gotta love that. Um, so, I mean, we're all rooting for John New if he can have, we're just, you know, skeptical that he actually has any kind of impact going forward. Okay, two more issues coming out of the game as we wrap up this uh, edition of the Six Rings and Football Things. Penalties. 12 penalties. Good. What the F is going on with all these penalties, these well, false starts? Isaiah well, let's Wynn. Start. Let's start with Isaiah Wynn. He leads he the league in penalties. Get him off the damn field. Marcus Cannon should be the full-time right tackle, and we just move on from there. I understand he's old. I understand he may not even be in, in full-on football shape. Well, that's what I'm point. wondering. I'm wondering if Bill doesn't think he can handle the full load just yet. Well, then or go and get a right tackle. Whatever you get cannot be worse than Isaiah Wynn. According to PFF, mm, careful, I know, I know you hate PFF, but this last game, he had a grade of five. Andy, that grade is out of 100. Well, I was going to say, if that's out of 10, it's not bad. He's a mediocre. Yeah, yeah, you'd think, but it's out of 100. He had a five out of 100. Like, that's literally getting one question right on a 20-question quiz. Yeah, what? not good. No, that's horrible. You're grounded after that. You have to try to be that bad. So like I said, it would be very difficult. If you just go out and get any right tackle off of any other team, it would be very difficult for them to come in and be worse than what Isaiah Wynn has given you. I think he might end up being the most likely trade. But, uh, didn't they all. trade somebody to the Chargers that then ended up getting injured right away? Uh, was it Yanni Kajust? Is that who they traded? Um, because you know what? You could probably use him right now. Um, well, that's the one thing I will say is you can do worse than Isaiah Wynn. He's been bad, but sometimes it, real bad. He's the devil, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's good. I want Marcus no. Cannon in the game. Yeah. I want to find out that Marcus Cannon can't do it. That he, that yep. he, you know what I mean? That he like prove it to me because otherwise I need Show you me. out there. Get out yeah. there. Um, so another issue. Um, so the penalties, and I will say it's not just Isaiah Wynn. He definitely no. leads the league. Leads the, the offense team, in general team. has just, they're just self-inflicting penalties. Yeah, delay all of games, the time. illegal block. Belichick like, talked about it this week on the morning show. And he's yeah. like, Yeah, we got to clean it up all over the offense. And they were weighted. They did kind of clean it up. I want to say eight were in the first half in Cleveland. It was it was weighted a little bit towards the first half, but um, they just need to be better, less flags. That was a problem last at times last year. Yep. They need to clean that up. Uh, speaking of Bill Belichick, we do need to uh, acknowledge the 324th victory of his career. We talked about the little renaissance he's had the last couple of weeks um, and him joking after the game like he doesn't belong in the conversation with Hallis and Paul Brown. On one level, I agree with him just because it was a different era. Like Paul Brown basically um, created the the way coaches do everything like he like practice squads and. Like, I'm pretty sure he's the one that used uh, coach to quarterback um, technology before it like it wasn't a thing. He, I believe he took something from the taxi um, business down the road. The dispatcher had like this technology. And he's like, well, why couldn't I put one of those in my quarterback? And he and then they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that. We're not we're not all doing that. So you can't do it either. But so Paul Brown, great. George House, great. Bill Belichick, great. Like he's going to be the second winningest coach probably yep. Monday night at about midnight or whenever they beat the hell out of the bears and Justin yep. Fields. Um, and it just really is amazing. Like I've been around for almost all of it. I mean, I know he won his games in Cleveland, but I've been around. And then you look at the raw number and you're like, 
wait, to win 324 games, if you win 10 games a year, you have to play for 32 years. years. Like it really is remarkable that that's the number he's at and he's going to continue to add to it. And he's going to, who knows if he finishes as first or second all time. Also think it's um, amazing, interesting, whatever. Good job by the NFL that he uh, ties the record in Cleveland where he got his mm-hmm. first head coaching uh, gig when? and then is going to break it as uh, uh, beating the Chicago Bears, George Hallis's team. So yep. I don't know if they got really lucky or if they were like, well, I think they'll win this one, lose this one. So right here is when he'll break it. And that's when we should give him. Um, but good job by the NFL. Good job by Bill Belichick. Um, to uh, and then the final thing I wanted to mention, you touched on it a little bit. Robert Kraft, uh, now married once again. Yes, at his wedding on uh, on surprise Friday night. wedding too. Ty Law gave us the insight today. He said he got a call from Robert, and Robert was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing down in Newark. Come down. Uh, you you got to be there. We're gonna have a good time." And Ty Law said, "Okay, I'll show up." And when he showed up, he found out it was a wedding. I personally think if you didn't know it was a wedding, you're an idiot. Like. Hey, Tom Brady's going to show Matthew Slater, Gerard. Well, Mayo. No, no, no. So I bet, I bet there were certain people that knew that it was in fact a wedding. Like Bill Belichick talked about it on our show, how he wasn't there. And he's like, me right. and Robert talked about it and decided it was my, in the best interest of the team that I was, you know, getting ready for the game. And I bet he had to tell Tom Brady, yeah, it's my wedding. So, you know, blow your you team off. Yeah. Blow your team off for a day and come on up before you go down to Pittsburgh. Um, so there were certain people that I bet knew it was Must the have. wedding, but Must there have. were other people that may not have. Right. That's how I assumed. I assumed the Brady's, the Slater's, the Mayo's like guys that are in the midst of an NFL season. We're not going to New York for, I think I, they called it kickoffs and touchdowns or something yeah. with the, the party. Like no chance Tom Brady was going to leave his team to go to kickoffs and touchdowns in week no. six. Exactly. So they had to have known. Uh, I did joke with Matthew Slater last night. He was there, said he didn't do a lot of dancing, although he is a dancer generally at Ooh, weddings, okay. but wanted to stay off his feet because he had a game in a couple days. Fair enough. Um, like, what do you get your billionaire boss for his wedding? Like, I don't think you do. I think that was the point of it being a surprise was he's so. like, I don't want a lot of gifts. I'm the one spending the money on this wedding. Like it's, they didn't even have like a sit down dinner type thing. It was Ty Law said it was more of like a cocktail hour type deal. Yep. It was more drinking than eating. And I think that's exactly, he wanted it to be a party. He didn't want it to be like a formal wedding. And obviously Elton John and Meek Mill and Ed Sheeran and everybody performed. Crazy. From what I heard, and this may be rumor or not, the reason it took place was that this is when uh, Elton John could be there. This was like a hole in Elton oh. John's calendar. So that opened the opportunity for Robert to have it uh, on that Friday. But Fair uh, enough. congratulations to him. Good good for him. And the new Mrs. Kraft, if she's the new Mrs. Kraft or whatever, I wouldn't call her that, but I heard Andy Gresh call her that on the pregame show on our station. So um, Bloomberg, I believe her name. Yeah, it's Dana. Name Dana Bloomberg is now Dana Kraft. And uh, I saw Michael Rubin, the Fanatics um, owner and the bud of, of Robert Kraft, was there when they f- had their first date, Dana Bloomberg, at some bar, which they actually renamed like Bloomberg's this week to uh, commemorate the wedding. And it was a whole thing. But uh, he was there from date one straight through the wedding. So congrats to Robert Kraft and uh, all those players who sound like they got a nice little uh, night on the town in uh, New York out of it. Yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it. That sounds like it was a fun time. Uh, I didn't get my invite. I don't know about you. I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, geez, I worked for the guy for 20 years and you can't slip me an invite to the big bash. I mean, sorry, geez. Andy, you got, you got left in the dust. 
yeah, I'm pretty sure I was like the Z list. If absolutely no one else showed up, maybe my former boss, Fred Kirsch, could have got me in on the list. Yeah, like if Greg had been like, I can't make it, maybe they would have right. sent you an invite. Right, right. But uh, congrats to Mr. Kraft. Congrats to the New England Patriots, who are now 3-3 three and three on the season. Still in last place, but maybe that'll change this week as they prepare for Monday night football against the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, and a team that is struggling offensively that has a bit of a defense, though. So we will see what yeah. happens Monday at Gillette Stadium. As always, we'll be back later in the week with a full game preview. Me, Fitzy, a guest from Chicago, hopefully a guest from Gillette Stadium, one of the Patriots beat writers, although I just realized it's a Monday night game, so the schedule this week will be all out of whack, so hopefully I can get that interview. If not, then we'll talk to somebody next week. But you will definitely talk to us. He's Chris Shime Time Shime. I'm Andy Hart. This is another Six Rings and Football Things podcast in the book. Thank you for listening. Download the Odyssey app. Subscribe to the Six Rings podcast. Find us on Twitter at Six Rings Pod, Instagram Six Rings Pod, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And we love you. Peace out. See ya. Nope. <laughs>